Whether you're thinking of divorcing your narcissistic spouse right in the middle of it or have finalized your divorce, the tactics are the same. If this sounds like you, you need to know about Christine Hammond's new masterclass series, How to Survive a Divorce with a Narcissist. In this four-hour video series, Christine Hammond introduces the toxic tactics that narcissists use to abuse, humiliate, and manipulate you, and teaches you exactly how to recognize these tactics and navigate through them with mastery and confidence. How to Survive a Divorce with a Narcissist is a deep dive, a masterclass that'll show you how narcissists use tactics like bait and switch, scare tactics, roller coaster ride, and child's play. It's How to Survive a Divorce with a Narcissist, a four-hour recorded video masterclass with Christine Hammond. For more information or to purchase today, just go to growwithchristine.com forward slash narcissism. That's growwithchristine.com forward slash narcissism. This masterclass will change your life. Again, that's growwithchristine.com forward slash narcissism. This is Understanding Today's Narcissist. Brought to you in part by PsychCentral.com. And now here's your host, Christine Hammond. Well, the holidays are here. You might not be thinking they are according to the calendar, but look at your local store and you will see that the holidays have definitely started to arrive. As you start to prepare for them this year, I would like you to think a little bit more about your family and how you're going to handle things. Because if you don't have a plan ahead of time for how you're going to survive the holidays, you're not going to survive the holidays. So here's going to be my five tips for surviving your narcissistic in-laws over the holidays. This is one of my favorite topics to talk about um, because we all have those pesky in-laws sometimes that it's just very difficult to make it through the holidays. So here are my best tips. And I'm going to talk for a little bit about a uh, client of mine who was struggling. And here's kind of like what happened to her over the last Thanksgiving dinner. So last Thanksgiving for her was just a total disaster. Heather had spent like days getting her new house ready for the visit, knowing that her narcissistic mother-in-law was going to be coming over. But as soon as her mother-in-law walked into the house, she announced, it's not that bad. Heather tried to brush off the comment, but... The little sarcastic comments just kept coming. Let me help you fix the table, her mother-in-law said. Then she proceeded to reorganize the silverware napkins and other accessories for a table that was actually already set, for which Heather thought looked great just the way it was. Then her mother-in-law grabbed the flower arrangement that was carefully done and actually took the whole thing apart, changed the vase and rearranged the flowers. 
Next, she said, you're not going to do the gravy that way, are you? Well, at this point, Heather had about had it. She tried to swallow the comments, but eventually her mother-in-law wore her down. Finding peace felt completely impossible. Another couple of moments later, Heather exploded. Now her mother-in-law turned the tables on her and she got to play the victim. Remember that narcissistic abuse cycle? If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it again. So her mother-in-law played the victim and blamed Heather for ruining the entire dinner. The rest of the family all chimed in until Heather finally retreated to her room, completely missing Thanksgiving dinner. Even her husband wasn't that helpful. His mother had done the comments so many times uh, that he just got numb to them. And then he was, she was also doing them outside of his ability to hear it. So that when he actually confronted his mom about the stuff that Heather said, his mom just lied and said she didn't really say that or that Heather was too sensitive and she was taking it the wrong way. So once again, Heather felt completely alone and isolated during a family holiday. Ironically, this is exactly what her mother-in-law wanted because in order for her mother-in-law to remain the center of attention, she felt the need to eliminate Heather. All the more reason why Heather wanted to do something different this year. So here are the five suggestions that we came up with in session, and hopefully they will be useful to you as well. Number one, do pre-planning. So every winning team knows that one of the key ingredients to being successful is to understand your opponent. Families, both the functional ones and dysfunctional ones, have a rhythm of their own. Whether you like the rhythm or not is irrelevant. Take a moment to step outside of a past gathering, a past family gathering, especially around the holidays, and make observations about how the family makes decisions. How do they talk? How do they treat each other? How do they treat people who are in the family versus people who are outside of the family? How do they have fun? How do they negotiate with things? And, and who determines who is in charge? So take a moment to just kind of like pause for a second and think through those things that I've asked you to. Also think about some essential things to the family unit. What are the values, the morality, religion, logic, feelings, or connection? This is not about finger pointing or trying to alienate one person or an idea regardless of the dysfunction. Instead, it's all about information gathering. So if you think about it, some families are centered around logic. So they logically work through things and they're very dismissive about feelings. Other families are very centered around feelings and dismiss most logic because it's all about what makes a person feel good. Other families could be centered around religion um, and so their religious values have a high weight. Whatever it is for this family, stop and consider it and look at what is what makes this family connect? 
what is the key, what are the key ingredients that hold them different and make them unique? Every family has its own dynamic. Whether it's dysfunctional or not is irrelevant. Just remember that, but look at it. So that's your pre-planning work. That will be step number one. Step number two, you cannot do unless step number one is completed. You need to form a strategy. So timing is everything. Just because a strategy did not work in the past doesn't mean that it won't work in the future. This is one of the biggest mistakes most people make. They tried something one time and then they say it doesn't work and then they dismiss it as if the idea was terrible instead of thinking about how that point was executed. How is that idea done? What was the right environment? Was the timing off? Was the environment off? There are a lot of other factors that make a good idea not work at a, at a particular time. Be open to all strategies and carefully select the best strategy depending on the nature of the event and the participants. I'll give you an example. In a large family gathering, when the conversation gets a bit dicey um, and things start to get really uncomfortable, ask the narcissist a question about themselves. This simple redirection will keep the person asking the question in good graces, which will be you, and redirect any unwanted negative attention that they might be tossing somebody else's way. By doing some reading on narcissism and understanding what makes them tick, several strategies can be formulated. You can go back through some of my other podcasts on working with a narcissist, on living with a narcissist, and see what some of those strategies work. I'm not going to go over all of those here now because that's for a different podcast, but go back and listen to those. So step number one was do your pre-planning. Step number two is form a strategy. Step number three is gather the team. The team may be a spouse, kids, or other safe relatives that see the narcissism for what it is. Don't try, don't bother trying to enlighten the non-believers, which are the people who don't believe that narcissism is a thing. For now, family gatherings are not the place for this kind of indoctrination. In other words, we're not going to introduce narcissism over Thanksgiving dinner. Not appropriate. Rather, be intentional in the the strategy phase to formulate a plan which gently exposes the narcissism. So you don't have to do it on a grand scale. You just do it on a small scale. Think of it as like, breadcrumbs, little bits at a time, kind of how you're trying to introduce the idea to something. So like, think of it as, um, I've been training a puppy lately, or, you know, I don't know if the puppy's training me or if I'm training the puppy, I haven't quite figured that out yet. So in dealing with that, you don't do all of the commands all at once. You do a little bit at a time. And you move from one little step to another little step until you can finally get the puppy to do all of what you want it to do. All right, well, take that same principle and apply it here. With a team, 
the team that actually believes that the narcissism is there and real, devise a boundary that can be easily agreed upon and reinforced when it's overstepped. For instance, the narcissist explodes and everybody decides that they are going to like literally get up and leave at that moment. Then logically share this boundary with the non-believer before the event. So the person that it doesn't believe in the narcissism, if you say to them, hey, look, I've decided that if if mom decides she's going to explode at Thanksgiving and completely lose it, we're not staying. We're leaving. We're getting up and going someplace else. So that way, everybody is on the same page um, in advance, and this will actually increase your chance of success. So by sharing it with the non-believer, you're introducing to them the idea or the concept that a boundary can exist and be real and be effective. So strategy number one, do pre-planning. Number two, formulate a strategy. Number three, gather your team. Number four, work the plan. It might be necessary during the function, Thanksgiving, whatever holiday you're celebrating, to remind the team of the plan. So in the case of a boundary being set, one person will have to courageously confront the narcissist when it's violated. So know ahead of time, that's probably going to be you. Always do this in private first. Remember, we don't embarrass the narcissist. Because if you do embarrass the narcissist in front of others, that's going to result in an immediate attack and an even worse confrontation. So before the confrontation, inform the team that the boundary has been exceeded so that they're ready to provide the support after the altercation. This removes the narcissist's ability to gather support afterwards. Be prepared for a bit of sulking from the narcissist when they realize that others are supporting the boundary and offer a compliment as an olive branch. This takes a lot of maturity and grace, but it's well worth it. This will endear the team towards the boundary setting mentality even more and reduce any level of discomfort. It also undermines the narcissist's ability to be able to play the blame game and pull a victim card. So when you extend the olive branch, that's what you're doing. So what I've effectively done is I've cut off the narcissist from their cycle of abuse so that it can't even get started. That is working the plan. So to review, number one, I want you to do some pre-planning. Number two, formulate a strategy. Number three, gather a team. Number four, work the plan. And last but not least, number five, evaluate the situation. Immediately following the event, review what worked and what didn't before small bits of valuable information are lost. Because we all have short-term memory loss to some degree. These little nuggets will include observations of body language, any eye rolling, withdrawing of another family member, negative self-talk, blatant lies, manipulative behavior, or multiple references to feeling guilty. It might be easier to select one family member at a time and review their spoken and unspoken behavior. This information can then be used for recruiting more team members or placing them clearly in the narcissistic camp. Remember, we're trying to figure that out. Who's on your side? Who's not? Remember, this is not about conversion. 
Everyone must come to the realization in their own time. Be patient with another person's timing. This is a good demonstration of love and is very different than the way the narcissist acts because narcissists show love through control, but you need to show love through patience. So while this may seem like a whole lot of work, and it really is in the very beginning, these five strategies are well worth it in the end. Thinking long-term commitment rather than a short-term alliance maintains a healthy perspective and a hopeful outcome. So I hope this works for you. Uh, Give me some feedback on this. I would love to hear from you whether or not these strategies were effective over your next holiday. The reason why I'm sending this out now is because if you're going to be shopping for all the holidays, you need to be preparing for those meals with those narcissistic in-laws. This will save you a lot of frustration and aggravation over the holidays so that hopefully you can enjoy them. Good luck. Thanks for listening to Understanding Today's Narcissist with Christine Hammond. Brought to you in part by PsychCentral.com. For more information, visit GrowWithChristine.com. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.